And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. command is given. The world yearns for hope, and Jesus has our back. It's time. Ready, set, go. Come on, anybody glad to be in church today? Make some noise for Jesus. Awesome. Always like to take a moment before we jump into the word together and look at the cameras in the back of this room. Say a great big hello to our extended church family in the greater Washington, D.C. area. As many of you know, we are one church in multiple locations. Uh, for those of you that are visiting here, let me explain that. We have our church family right here in the south metro Atlanta area. And then 700 miles north of here in Germantown, Maryland, we have another campus, another group of wonderful people called Go Church. And they're joining us today. We love all of you. We welcome you. Come on, make some noise for Go Church. Let them know you love them. Yeah, love that. And then we also like to say hello to all of those that are tuning in via live stream. We love the technology that God has provided for us to take this message literally across the world. As a matter of fact, earlier in the week, we got an email from a family in South Korea that watched the playback of our services last Sunday. So I think that's so fantastic. Uh, maybe you're traveling because it's summer or perhaps you're at work and you got your smartphone out or your tablet out and you're just tuning in on the live stream. Or maybe you are one of the brave military men or women that are serving our country, protecting our freedoms yeah whoever you are wherever you are we love you thanks for tuning in come on one more time make some noise for everybody on the live stream and let me let me make a, a couple of announcements here uh, and I'll say this to go church Kimberly and I are so excited because on the last Sunday of this month that is June 24th. We're going to be joining you live. So we're flying up that weekend to be with all of you to preach there on June 24th. That's Sunday. Cannot wait to see some familiar faces, meet some new faces, give everybody a big hug. And so uh, make plans, go church, to be in the house. Uh, if you don't have plans elsewhere, we, we'd love to see everybody and reconnect. And then for those of you right here at South Metro, you're thinking, well, if you're going to be gone, who's going to be speaking here? And it is my privilege and honor to let you know that the man... The myth, the legend, Bishop Alan Matura. Come on now. Come on. Isn't that fantastic? Pastor Alan is going to be bringing the word right here on Sunday, June 24th. And so you do not want to. That is a can't miss Sunday. So make sure that you're here on that day as Pastor Alan shares the word. And uh, that's my pastor, by the way. And I'm so honored that my pastor gets to share the opportunity here. And how many of you know that guy can preach? Can he preach? Come on, that guy can preach. All right, let me show you this. Uh, one more quick announcement, and then we will jump into the message. We've got Father's Day coming up. Come on now. This is so great for all the dads. Um, so, so mark your calendars, June 17th. If you, if you don't have plans, travel plans, we'd love for you to be right here 
here at South Metro or at Go Church at both campuses, both locations. We've got a lot of great stuff plans, uh, planned for all of the dads, and uh, we got a few special surprises for the dads too, so don't miss it. It's going to be a wonderful day of celebration for the dads, and then, uh, you know, unlike most Sunday afternoons, dads, we're going to let you go home and nap, okay? So that'll be our gift to you. You get to go home and nap because we know how hard it is to be a dad. Can you just go ahead? I know it's early, but can you let dads know you love them? Come on, I think that's important. Be here on Father's Day. And uh, here we go. We're in the second week of a series we're doing called Ready, Set, Go. On the count of three, I want you to say the title of this series with me. Ready? One, two, three. Ready, set, go. And really what, we, what we've been doing and what we've set out to do is to take a look at the purpose of the church. Uh, to recognize the responsibility that the church has and to also understand that we are the church. Come on, somebody give me a good amen right there. So we kicked off this series uh, by, by presenting a question. And the question was this. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the introduction because there is quite a bit of content. But we started off the series with this question. What, what is the first thought that comes into your mind uh, whenever you hear the word church or see the word church? And last week we walked through a few responses of some research that I did by using my social media account to ask some people what they thought of with church. And, and the responses varied. Some said, hey, it, it's, a, it's a family. Some said, you know, it's a place of judgment. Other people said it's a building. Some people said it's a place of hope. One person said it's, it's a place where I hear a sermon. Uh, so we see that the, the kind of responses can vary. But, but we started off this series by asking you, what, what do you think of when you hear the word or see the word church. And what we learned is this, and some of you already knew this, uh, but even if you did, it's, it's good to be reminded of it. We learned that in the New Testament, uh, the, the Greek language that the New Testament was written in, there was a word, and the word was ekklesia. And this word is where we've done our best to get our English word church from, our understanding of church. But really, ultimately, ekklesia was simply a gathering or an assembly of people. The Bible says where two or three gather together in his name that he promises to show up in the midst. And so really, ultimately, the ecclesia is just a, a gathering. It's when people get together, an assembly of people. Ecclesia never referred to a specific place. It always referred to a specific gathering. And so this is still a part of the introduction, and then we'll jump into today's content. But unfortunately, what we've done over time is we have allowed the church as we know it in the 21st century to become synonymous with a place or a location. And shame on us for almost allowing the power of the church, the power of ecclesia, to be reduced to nothing more than an address. Because that, that's not the purpose of the church. And I told you, I think that the early Christians, the first Christians, would have been a little confused and perplexed at a statement like, hey, let's go to church. Because they, they believed themselves to be the church. The church to them was never about a sanctuary. The church to them was never about a movie theater like what, what Go Church is experiencing. The, the, the church was, was them. The Holy Spirit was alive in them. And the early church set out on a, a movement. Now let's jump into today for a minute because I, I want to take this a step further. What, what do you think would happen? What do you think the outcome would be if the church, if, if the ecclesia didn't just talk about the Great Commission, 
If we didn't just sing a few songs every couple of weekends about the Great Commission, if we didn't just preach a series or a sermon on occasion about the Great Commission, but what do you think would happen if, if the ecclesia, if the church was intentional about organizing their systems and structure around the Great Commission? Like if, if we stopped and we paused and we looked at this book and the instruction given to us about the ecclesia of God and then we were intentional about doing church that way, what do you think would happen? I'm telling you, revival would come to our country. Uh, there is a Canadian uh, pastor. He, he's also an incredible author and a world missions ab advocate. His name is Oswald J. Smith. And in one of his writings, here's the words that he wrote. He said, any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. God help us to never become a, a church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission. Now, I know it's kind of early on in this message, but I feel, I feel anointed enough to tell you that, that, that church is more than just getting dressed, coming to this place, singing a few songs, listening to a, a pastor preach a sermon. No, no, there, there is more to that. But unfortunately, so many Christians, so many churchgoers, so many church members, they, they don't even know what the Great Commission is. They don't know what the Great Commission is about. And, and if I'm being honest, that, that's not really necessarily your fault, I guess, as, as much as it is my fault. The pastor's fault. The responsibility that we have as the spiritual leaders, or as I like to put it, the spiritual tour guides, uh, to inform you about the responsibility we have as a church body and you have as a believer to fulfill the work of the Son. Remember, go, go back if you missed the previous week, jump back online, watch the YouTube of it, however you can watch it, but, but it'll give you a great introductory to what we're talking about. But God sent his son Jesus so that Jesus could finish the work of the Father, and then Jesus is empowering us to finish the work of the Son. And that work is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And church, listen to me, Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming back soon, and time, time is running out. Barna, Barna is a research group, and in, in October of 2017, they, they did this study. I want you to see this because it's, it's, it's overwhelming to me. They, they, they surveyed over 1,000 Christians, over 1,000 churchgoers, over 1,000 church members, and, and they asked them one question. Ha, have you heard of the Great Commission? Now, now listen to me. They weren't asking non-believers they, they weren't asking people that weren't actively involved in church. They surveyed a thousand plus churchgoers, church members. Have you heard of the Great Commission? And look at this. 51% of those attending church said no. I've never heard of the Great Commission. 25% of them responded and said, yes, I've heard of it, but I can't recall exactly what it means. 6% said, I'm not even sure, and only 17% could say, yes, I've heard of the Great Commission, and I know what it means. Now, today is going to be really helpful for those of you that maybe you don't understand the, the magnitude of the Great Commission, or perhaps you're here today and you're, and you're not a believer, and church isn't a part of your, your weekly routine, and so you're kind of trying to figure out this whole faith thing, because today will help us understand really the purpose of the church 
Why, why the ecclesia, the, the assembly, the gathering of people under the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Why do we exist as this movement? And if you're visiting around town looking for churches, today should help you understand what this church is all about here. Can I get a good amen there? So, so let's start with this. If you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, I want you to write this down. It starts with this understanding that, that Jesus gave us a great commission. Now, what you need to know is that this great commission is the last command of Jesus apart from its related order not to begin the great commission without first receiving divine power from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, hey, I want you to go into all the world, but before you do that, wait so that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the responsibility to fulfill this great commission is far greater than our natural capacity. Come on, somebody help me. So what Jesus said is, what I'm calling you to do, you cannot accomplish on your own. So I'm going to give you a helper known as the Holy Spirit. Now, the word commission simply means an instruction. It means a command. It means that there is a duty that has been assigned to a particular person or to a group of people. And with this great commission, hear me, Jesus was talking to the ecclesia. He was talking to the church 2,000 years ago. And this instruction, this command, this assignment is still applicable to our lives and to our gathering here today. Keep writing notes. Watch this. There are two truths that are revealed about the great commission. Whenever we see in Scripture, in this Bible, the instruction to go, and we'll get through all of those in just a moment, the first truth that we see is this. It reveals the heart of God. And this is important. Why? Because, because the Bible tells us that God does not desire for anyone to perish. That God wants everyone to come to repentance. And so when we see this call to go and to make disciples, to take the message of Jesus, to preach the gospel to the ends of the world, we see the very heart of God. That, that at the end of the day, gender does not matter. That socioeconomic background does not matter. That what car you drive, what neighborhood you live in, what clothes you wear, nor the color of your skin, none of that matters because we were all created in the image of God. I wish somebody give me a really good amen right there. It's God's heart for humanity. I don't want anybody to perish. I want all God says to come to a place of repentance. But not only does the Great Commission reveal the heart of God, but it also reveals the mission of the church. The, the Great Commission shows us what God-centered ecclesia looks like. Because again, when Jesus was giving this command... He gave it to the church, to the body of believers. And so we see the mission and the purpose of the church. I've said this a few times in the 11, uh, 12 weeks of our transition uh, from just pastoring Go Church to now overseeing through leadership, secondary leadership, might I add, because I'm, I'm accountable, accountable to the big man upstairs. This is the second or third time I've said this to you, but, but at the end of the day, I, I'm not responsible for any other church but, but the church or the locations or the campuses that God sees fit for us to oversee. So it's not my responsibility to tell you that this church is doing it right or that church is doing it wrong because that's, that's not my place. What, what my responsibility is is to make sure that, that this gathering of people that, that we do our very best to organize our systems and our structure around the original intent, around the original mission of the church. 
And that, that's what we want to do. We want to continue to build upon the heritage and the legacy that's here in front of us. But let me tell you again, coming to church is more than just coming to church. It's more than just sitting there and, and feeling, feel, remember we talked about that last week. I don't have time to go back into that. But feeling better than, than when you came. Come on, watch this. No, no, no. God has given us some instruction. And I hope that today I can show you through what I've studied and what I've read. And I'm not saying I know it better than anybody else. But God has really helped me to, to learn and to lean into the Great Commission. How I believe the ecclesia of God in 2018 should operate. Now, to fully, to fully understand the magnitude of the Great Commission, we've got to first appreciate that the Great Commission does not come at us in just one scriptural location. Now, if it's in the Bible one time, to me, that's significant. When it's in there multiple times, like when God presses repeat or replay, it, he's trying to get our attention, right? Really, the Great Commission comes to us in five different scriptural locations and written from five different perspectives. I want to walk through this with you. Let's start in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter number 16. Now, Mark was writing his perspective on what he had heard Jesus say by revelation of the Holy Spirit. And Mark pins these words, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I won't do this with every scriptural location of the Great Commission, but on the count of three, can you read this with me? You ready? One, two, three. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. With every scriptural location of the Great Commission, a theme is attached to it. The first thing that I see in Mark chapter 16 is this. The theme is connecting. Somebody say connecting. It's a call to build relationships. Why? Because before you can go and preach to all creation, you have to have some connection by, by which means you have connected. There has to be some grounds by which you have connected. Let me put it to you like this. If somebody you don't know or somebody you don't know very well comes up to you and they say, hey, haven't seen you in a while or it's been a long time, my, you've put on the weight. Let me tell you what that does. That, that frustrates you a little bit, right? Now, now, it may be the truth, but because you are not connected to the person that is calling you out, there's a level of frustration. But when you have a connection with somebody and they tell you a hard truth or they remind you of, you know, the need to maybe lose a pound here or lose a pound there, you can, you can still feel the frustration, but you know that they have your best interest in mind. Let me say it like this, and I can't stay on this soapbox very long. I, I am not suggesting to you that, that sidewalk preachers are ineffective. I'm not suggesting to you that bullhorn preachers are ineffective. But I am telling you this, I don't think that's the best way to reach people for Jesus. I, I think that it starts with building relationship establishing some relationship. And so what Mark is really saying to us is this. Hey, do you really want to reach your city? Do you really want to reach your community? You really have a desire to reach your neighborhood and to reach your coworkers? If so, then you must first connect with them. Build relationship with them. And then once you establish connections, bring those connections into the framework of who and what we are as a church body. Write this truth down. Here's the truth. A Great Commission church should be intentionally connecting with people. It should be our desire 
to establish relationship. Why? Because there is great power in numbers. And when we come together in a spirit of unity, man, God can do incredible things through that, can he? Uh, Kimberly and I, we got two kids. Uh, we've, we've got our son, Lakeland, who is eight years old, and then London Grace, who is now three years old. And uh, might I add that since we've moved back home to Atlanta and being uh, a lot closer to, to uh, Kimberly's parents and, and Lake and London's grandparents, th those kids are doing just fine. You know, so they are spoiled with love. And, and, and Mia and Papa wouldn't have it any other way, and, and neither would those kids. They got a lot of toys, too. You ever, parents, remember when your kids were little and you ever step on one of those toys? My Lord, a lot. Recently, I stepped on a, a, a set of Legos. Almost lost my salvation stepping on that Lego in the middle of the night. But his grace is sufficient. Come on, somebody. D did you know that, that Legos can be combined to make incredible designs? I learned this recently that just six Legos, like, like what I have in my hand, uh, can be combined to make over one million possible combinations. With just six Legos, over a million combinations can come to life. Now, the interesting thing about a Lego is this, though, is that if a Lego lives its life in isolation and it does not get connected to the other body of Legos, it cannot do what its original designer designed for it to do. I'm preaching better than you're helping me. And I think the same is true in the body of Christ, right? When we get together and we start connecting, the possibilities are limitless. Come on, church. What God can do through people who are unified, they come into a spirit of agreement. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. When we are connected, and the truth is this, a great commission church should be all about connecting. Somebody shout connecting. Let's move to the second perspective. I'm going to build this for you so, so you'll enjoy seeing this play out. The second perspective is written uh, from Luke. And Luke writes his interpretation of the Great Commission this way. Luke chapter 24, verse 46 to 47. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. Somebody say third day. third day. Now you know how that Christian band got their name. That was free, by the way. I'm just helping you out. Verse 47. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be what? Proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem. Here it is. This is another perspective of the Great Commission. And, and we're building this because what we recognize is that Luke says it's not enough just to connect. It's important that we are connecting, but along this process of really truly being the ecclesia, the, the, the family of God, there has to be some converting. There, there has to be a process where people turn from their old lifestyle, they come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, they lay, come on, somebody help me out, they lay, they lay down their hands of responsibility and they say, Lord, not my will, but, but your will be done. Luke, Luke is saying it like this, he's challenging us to say, hey, we want you to connect with people, but once you have relationship with people, tell them there is a better way. And his name is Jesus. Come on, church. Tell, he says, tell them that Jesus died for their sin. 
Tell them that, that Jesus can forgive them and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And Luke is saying, hey, it's not enough that we just connect. And I want to be really careful here because I don't want to uh, say something that I said I wouldn't say. But we've got enough churches that are only connecting and they are social service clubs. That's not what this is about. It's about an opportunity for people to experience the power of God and then respond out of obedience to God's love and his grace and his mercy. And here's the truth. A great commissioned church should be seeing conversions. We should be seeing people getting saved. People raising their hand, crying out to God. People coming to an altar, confessing their sins. Testimonies of people that can't sleep at night because the convicting power of God, not the condemning power, no, but the convicting. Hey, by the way, he doesn't condemn, he just convicts. It's the enemy who condemns, right? It's the convicting power of God stirring you to something beyond you. Hearing people tell stories about how Jesus radically saved them. At the end of the day, we should be seeing salvations. Lost people accepting Jesus. And I'm going to make a statement that you have to hold me accountable to. But every time we get together as the ecclesia, as the church, there ought to be an invitation for salvation made. Every time. Whether we're talking about family, finances, food, or frisbee. It doesn't matter. It's all about Jesus. Some of you are like, Frisbee? When's that sermon coming? I'll be here. We should be teaching that the basis of salvation is grace and that the instrument of salvation is faith. I should be preaching, hey, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one, no one comes to the Father except through him. Come on, somebody. That Jesus is the only way. There should be conversions, people getting saved. You know, I know that time flies and it happens so fast, but I can close my eyes and remember the day that God saved me. He pulled me out of that old life. I was on my way to hell. And yet God, through his love and his mercy, saved me. And not only did he save me, but watch this, he set me free. Let me, let me tell you this. I, I've got, I've got, I, I've, I've got to, to hasten just for a moment. God has been too good for me, for me to keep my mouth closed about his goodness. Come on, church. There are people that need to hear the message of Jesus, that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Come on. Are you writing this down? A Great Commission church should be seeing conversions. I got, I got to move. I wish I could sit there. Uh, each one of these you could do a whole message on by itself, but, but let's keep going. Matthew chapter 28. Now, real quick, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 20, and those that are sitting at that Go Church campus, they know this, but this is the scripture reference that the Lord dropped into my heart and Kimberly's heart almost five years ago when we were serving this wonderful group of people as the youth pastors. And I read Matthew chapter 28, a few verses, and I heard the Lord say, you're going to start a church, you'll establish a church, you'll call it Go Church. This is where we get our name. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here it is. Therefore, somebody shout, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and watch, and surely 
I am with you always. That's good preaching alone right there. To the very end of the age. Now, watch this. We're, we're building this. What Matthew's perspective is this. Connecting is great. Converting is important. But there must be a desire for discipleship. We have to be a place where we are disciples that are making disciples. What he's saying here is, hey, it's not enough just to connect. It's not enough just to convert. But we must also disciple. Here's the truth. Write this down. A Great Commission church should be making disciples. We, we should be pumping out disciples all day, every day. People coming in connected because of relationship. Accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then going through a process of discipleship so that they can become everything that God is calling them to become. Let, let me, I wish I had time to really sit on this, but, but I don't. But let me just show you real quick a few approaches that we take in this ministry to discipleship. The first approach is this. We look at it as one too many. Now, what does that mean? It means, it means what we're doing on Sunday. It's one to many. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, coming to the house of God, is incredibly important. If you believe Paul to be the writer of Hebrews, which I believe that, it's Paul who said, do not give up meeting together, as some are in the bad habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the approaching day? It's the return of Jesus. He says, hey, hey, don't get caught up and, and this habitual pattern of missing, of missing getting together, the gathering of God's people. Because it's here in this one-to-many approach that we can be discipled, that we can be encouraged, that we can be fueled up in our faith to go and reach the lost. Here, here's another approach. Not only do we look at one-to-many, but we look at one-to-few. This is small groups. We are going to preach small groups until Jesus comes back. Because we believe that real life change happens in the context of relationships. It's in these small groups that you get to, you get to study the Bible together. That, that you get to, to pray together. That you get, to, you get to share about life and challenges and difficulties. That you get to, in small groups, you get to eat. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. Food will be there in a small group. And that's biblical, by the way. It's the breaking of bread. It's there that you get, to, you get to experience the family of God on a more intimate level to help you on this spiritual journey. And then the final approach that I'll share today is this, and we call it one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And this, this is the most intimate form of discipleship. This is incredibly important because this is where a mature believer will sit down. And, and here's a word that our culture needs and mentor younger believers, not, not in age, but in experience with God, and disciple them. The, the idea here is that the individual will pour 100% into the person that they are discipling, meeting consistently, walking through the Bible, challenging each other, learning from each other, holding each other accountable, and growing with each other. So look, the church has to be more than just a place that we connect and have relationships. It has to be more than just a place where people are getting saved, but there has to be a process of discipleship. Everybody good? If you're good, say I'm good. All right, I'm going to show you something at the end. That's why these chairs are here, so let me get to it. All right, here, here's the fourth perspective. This comes out of John chapter 20, 
two verses. John writes his perspective on the Great Commission like this. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am what? It's the Great Commission. I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to see the theme here. The theme on this perspective is that of equipping. I'm so moved by John chapter 20 because here is a side of the Great Commission that we often overlook or miss. In the second half of that verse, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me. It's right here, look. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Let me just give you a thought, a real quick thought. God did not send his son Jesus to this earth just to do something. And then now, there was something that was done, but God didn't send Jesus to this earth just to do something. He sent his son Jesus equipped with something. See, Jesus was fully furnished and fully equipped. Jesus had everything that he needed in order to fulfill his father's mission. And just as the father sent him, now he is sending us. So, so our, our, our task then becomes not just to connect, not just to convert, not just to disciple, but now we have to be equipped. And again, I want to be careful here because God's given us the you know, leadership responsibility of this house and of Go Church, not of anywhere else. But in so many churches, there is not enough equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Hey, we are in this together. It's not always the pastor's job. It's not always just the staff's job. It's our job. We are the ecclesia. And here's the truth. Write this down. The truth is a Great Commission church should be equipping the people. Now, let me, let me give you a word that might be helpful for me to, to understand better, and that's this. Uh, a Great Commission church should be raising up leaders. We should be raising up leaders, sons and daughters of this house, equipping them to do the task that is in front of them. And then the final one is this, and then I'll show you something. It's the fifth perspective. And if you, if you grew up in a spirit-filled Pentecostal church, you've read Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, a handful of times. I'm telling you right now. It's Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. And the Bible says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Watch this. Here it is. The word here is empowering. Empowering. And this is the driving force of the kingdom of God. Hey, let me say it again. We cannot do what God is calling us to do until we are first empowered by the Holy Spirit. We, we must get plugged into the power source which is the Holy Spirit. And I, and I am not ashamed to, to, to call myself a Pentecostal. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of saying that my dependency is on the Holy Ghost. 
Because the call of God that is on my life and the call of God that is on your life, you cannot accomplish it until you lean on him. Come on, church. Help me out for just a moment. We have far too many Christians that are struggling with the understanding that if we just got ourselves plugged in to the dunamis power, the, the dynamite power, come on, then all of a sudden we would be able to do things that nobody thought possible. Hey, let me tell you, I got to tell you this real quick, and, and my, my clock on the back of that wall is ticking downward, so I got to hurry up, but watch this. When I graduated high school, they voted me most likely not to succeed in life. That's the truth. That I, I, I would be most likely not to succeed. And just like some of you laugh, they laugh too. And that's all right, because for years, I bought into the lie. That I would be nothing, I would amount to nothing, that God could not use somebody like me. But all of a sudden, I met a man named Jesus. And Jesus filled me with a power, come on now, that I did not have on my own. He gave me a super power. Yeah, my 20-year high school reunion is just around the corner. And when I walk into that room, I'm going to love every single one of them. The way that Jesus loved me. You know, you know what I think is cool sometimes is when they see the live stream or they see the social media. Oh, man, never thought that God would do. Yeah, yeah. But God did. And because I yielded to being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And guess what? This is just the beginning. It's just the beginning for my life. It's just the beginning for your life. It's just the beginning for the life of this church. We haven't seen anything yet. But the truth is this, a great commissioned church should be allowing the Holy Spirit to empower people. Hey, on my best day, with whatever greatest sermon I could write, whatever illustration, far better than a Lego illustration I could come up with, it would fail in comparison to the power of the Holy Spirit available for you. God did not call me to just be a motivational speaker, although I pray that you're motivated when I speak. He did not call me just to make you feel good. He called me to create an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit could move so that when you come in here with challenge and with problem, with heartache and pain, you know that there is a God that is available to equip you for the journey in front of you and that through Him you can do all things come on if you believe that put your hands together and give me a good amen i gotta hurry i gotta hurry let me break this down i gotta break it down for you this is the this is the summary of everything that we just walked through this is what i believe the ecclesia of god the church of god should really look like building relationships can I just tell you that we're not we're not in competition with not one church in this county or in montgomery county maryland we're, we're in the relationship building business. Uh, we, we need every Baptist church in this town, every Nazarene church in this town, every Assembly God church in this town to partner together to build relationships so that we can win people the cause of Jesus Christ. We, we, let me tell you, oh man, Johnny, you, you said something to me yesterday about your dad uh, cutting his neighbor's yard all these years. He'd ride his little lawnmower and just go to the neighbor's yard. Every week, just ride over and cut the neighbor's yard. Started to build a relationship with him until one day he got to tell him about Jesus. 
I just wonder, when you told me that, I just wonder, so many of you, you're so frustrated at your neighbors because their yard is overgrown, but you don't know the problems they're going through. Maybe they can't get out and cut the yard, but you could build a relationship and do it for them. Watch this. Then we got to see lost people get saved. We got to disciple these new believers. We got to plug them into leadership. And then we have to mobilize them to go. And as the pastors of this congregation and go church, watch this. As I like to put it, as your spiritual tour guides. Kimberly and I, we have a responsibility to protect the missional integrity of this house. And you need to know this that every time we get together, this is going to be a place where we are a gathering of people in process. We are not a perfect people. We are a people in process. Hey, this body should be an opportunity for those who are curious or unconvinced or even skeptical. Should be a, a, a body of people where, where those who used to believe or they were even hurt and broken because of a previous church experience. This should be a place where the unchurched, the de-churched, those who are against the church can come together. Watch this. And as well as those who are committed, those who are informed according to the truth of God's word, those who are born again, set free, saved, and sold out for Jesus can all come together around Peter's declaration in Matthew 16, 16. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is what we're all about. Let me show you this. A couple of years ago, my uh, volunteers, they're going to come. A couple of years ago, we were just a couple of years into Go Church, and my wife said to me, she said, I think that we're making this church thing too complicated. I said, what do you mean? She says, you know, we're, we're using a lot of insider language. We're overcomplicating over the whole process. She said, I just really feel like less is more. She said, what if we just really broke down the vision that God put in our heart and we prayed through a creative way to explain this process right here? How, how, how can we become this process so it's easy to understand? So we begin to pray and we begin to fast and God showed us in our spirit a three-tier model of ministry. We've been doing this at Go Church ever since then. And, and even behind the scenes, we've been working around the beautiful foundation that has been laid of creating this kind of mindset and culture moving forward. Gather, grow, go. I want you to see it, watch. It starts, it starts with gather. We talked about this a few times already, but where two or three gather together. Hey, I'm telling you, in your walk with Christ, coming and being a part of a worship, corporate worship experience is incredibly important. Uh, we're not doing our job if people aren't coming through those doors. Th those doors should be open for people to come in and to gather in his name, to be encouraged in their journey, because people are really going through a lot. But it's not enough just to come to church, but you, you have to grow in your walk with Christ. You have to, at some point, move from milk to meat. At some point, you, you've, got to, you've got to stop crawling and you've got to start walking and then eventually you'll start running. It's a process and that's okay because we're all a people in process, but, but you've got to grow. We'll, we'll teach you how to read the Bible. I'll help you. I'll buy you a Bible if you don't own one. You've got to grow. Get into a small group. Get plugged in. 
Get your kids involved in kids' ministry and student ministry and college ministry and married ministry and thrive ministry and all of those opportunities that are presented. But you have to grow in your walk with Christ. You gather, you grow, and then you go. Now, don't be misinformed or don't let me misrepresent myself. I'm not saying you got to leave the church. But what I am saying is that, hey, there's more for you in this next step. You got to go, serve on a team. Where are you using your gifts, talents, and abilities? You gotta go and invest your finances into the ministry so that we can reach more people for Jesus Christ. You gotta go on a missions experience or go on an outreach opportunity, but at the end of the day, you gotta gather, you gotta grow, and then you gotta go. Come on, really, you gotta go right now. You gotta go, I love you, but I I gotta move you. And then you're gonna move down. Watch this, you gotta move down. Why? Because we need your seat. You gotta go. And now all of a sudden, hey, and welcome to the house of God. We're so glad you're here. And now you're growing in your faith. And then you're going. Come on, get up, Mont. You got to keep moving. Come on, right here. Because God is just moving this. And watch this. Keep going. Keep going. Come on. Watch. God just begins to birth revival all around this community because we are gathering, we are growing, and we are going. Hey, watch. Let me say one more thing before we transit. This is, this is really good, by the way. Not because I think it's good in my own ability. Because this is what the ecclesia should look like. Disciples making disciples. What? That's why at Go Church, when we get together, we don't call it a service. We call it a gathering. We have two gatherings there. Two gatherings here. We're gathering together. And then, and then here's what, what, what God has done. He's created an opportunity for us to see where you are on your faith journey. Now, this isn't a reflection on any one of these individuals personally, but if this young lady, she's only coming to church, she's only gathering, but she's not growing, then we've got to help her take her next step. If he's only growing, but he's not going, we've got to help him take his next step. If she's only going, she's not growing and gathering, we got to get her on her next step. Do you see how that works? You can identify easily where you are in this systematic process. And by the way, these work together in unity and harmony. They're not fighting against each other but they're pushing us towards what our next step is. Come on, can you give Jesus the best praise you've got? And thank these volunteers. Come on, thank every one of them.